I'm Peter Alakawi, and welcome to Life School, the podcast. Each episode, I'll be chatting openly and honestly with a different guest about a whole host of purposeful topics. From personal success and failure stories, to relationship advice, tips and tricks for entrepreneurs, to professional and practical guidance on living a more fulfilled and happy life. I'll be speaking to men and women from all walks of life, all with unique experiences they want to share in the hope of inspiring you. I hope throughout this series you can take away some valuable nuggets of wisdom to help you navigate through life's many twists, turns and lessons. Here at Life School we are all about the business of learning. So let's get on with the show and remember everything you go through grows you. On today's episode of Life School, I'm thrilled to welcome to the podcast a multifaceted entrepreneur who is not only a successful businesswoman, but also a passionate mental health advocate who is determined to get people talking. Now, I don't want to give too much away, but Miss Helen Hope is one of the most genuine and loveliest ladies I've had the pleasure to meet here in Dubai, and I absolutely loved getting to know her more during this episode. I really hope you enjoy this honest and frank conversation as much as I did. You can find more information on Helen and her businesses in the show notes. Happy listening. Today, I'm welcoming to Life School the founder of fashion label Heart Knocks, the pioneer behind the hashtag mental health is trending and the founder of Safe Space, Helen Hope. Welcome to Life School, Helen. Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me. Thank you for being with me today and giving me your time. Um, okay, so let's just jump straight in. Helen, can you start by telling us a bit about your story and how you came to launch your clothing brand Heart Knocks? Yeah, so um, I launched a, 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 just over a year ago now. It's hard to believe that time's passed that quickly, but um, I had been living in Dubai for quite a few years working in the fashion industry um, and I had multiple jobs as like, you know, fashion buyer and desire and design and, and things like that. But um, I got made redundant in the space of six months between two jobs. So it was pretty like tough, you know, kind of having that knock twice. Um, financial like uncertainty and all that sort of stress of trying to find a new job started to sort of take its toll on my health. So um, I took six months off to go back home. Um, to sort of try and figure out what the next step was. And um, during that time sort of started like, it started out as a blog. It was kind of like me just writing down, you know, my feelings and sort of trying to process how I'd got into this place. Um, and then it quickly became a lot more than that. I was like, how can I monetize this? So I started designing t-shirts and it sort of took me back to my creative roots, which I think I realized because I'd moved so far away from that in terms of my career was maybe where I was feeling sort of like I wasn't you know in the right position or whatever um so I started designing t-shirts and then I started thinking about how I could incorporate um the mental health sort of aspect of it because um when I'd when I'd been poorly um I'd started feeling these um physical symptoms where I was getting this shaky feeling in my head um all the time I couldn't concentrate it felt like the you know if I was looking at you now and like it felt like the wall was kind of like crawling behind you and it got so bad that I couldn't like leave the house so I ended up just be kind of becoming horizontal all the time to stop these like physical symptoms so it was really like the catalyst for you know the I suppose like me obviously going home and and sort of helping me come up with this business idea so I decided to share my story on social media because I'd always been that girl that was like you know Instagramming breakfast lunch and dinner like you know I Instagrammed everything like it got to the point where I kind of when I took myself off social media it was like well 
I've got my phone in my hand, like, you know, I'm staring at this amazing kind of beach or, you know, like um, sunset or whatever. Like, I need to take a picture of it, but what am I going to do with that picture because I'm not putting it on social media? Um, so I, I took, I had like six months off basically uh, posting anything on Instagram and people started sending me messages saying like, are you okay? Like, are you still alive? Like, you know, what's going on? And um, so I felt like I kind of had to come back in like a, you know, in a honest sort of way and let people know what I was kind of going through. So I um, changed my social media name to The Comeback Kid um, and sort of put this post out there explaining like what I've been going through with the hope that maybe like some other people might kind of resonate with what I've been going through. And also to just sort of put a bit of um, probably like closure on kind of what I've been going through because, you know, when people don't know and you've kept something so under wraps, it, this secret starts to eat away at you, doesn't it? So um came came out with like kind of what I'd been going through um, and it kind of spiraled from there really. Then I came up with the idea of creating Mental Health is Trending, which is like this warrior wall where people can share their stories of strength um, on this wall, but also purchase the t-shirts that the campaign's called the I'm Fine campaign. Um, so you know the t-shirts have obviously got that message on it and it's like the vehicle for t talking about mental health and trying to create a bit of awareness for it so that sort of skyrocketed and like took a took on a life of its own um and then the 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 heart knocks um collection st is still evolving now like the more kind of fashion lines on that so that's sort of what i'm kind of focusing on now but yeah it was kind of like a bit of an organic journey really like through kind of what my own personal experiences leading me onto this business idea and yeah and did you find once you decided to set up the business did you find that that helped you with what you were going through was it quite like cathartic yeah I'd say so like I think talking is definitely part of the healing process and having so many people come forward and you know share their own stories and and kind of um empathize with what I was going through because they'd been through it before and I think the hardest part at the time when I was struggling was and the reason why I took myself away from social media was because I felt like I, sh I felt like I needed to put on this kind of front of like this lifestyle that I should be living that I, I wasn't, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was it did help. And it, reading other people's stories and hearing what they kind of been through really, really helped as well. So I think that's kind of like what it's become now. It's like, you know, sharing these stories of strength to sort of help other people. Um, yeah. And what do you think during that time when you were having all the physical symptoms and you felt really low? Was there a turning point where you felt like okay no now I'm feeling better was that was there one thing that you can kind of pinpoint that really helped you or was it uh you know a sort of um a culmination of various different things over I time it was definitely a com I mean to say I think I struggle with the like when people say like that kind of like when you've come, when you've shared your story, it doesn't mean automatically that everything becomes better again. All it means is that it's easier for you to deal with that problem because other people can understand what you're going through. So, you know, I still have my good days and my bad days, and like I went, I went through a good like nine month period where I was on medication. You know, that was the choice I made for myself. Like after I went back to the UK, um, and that really did help me. But I then started to feel um you know medication's not, not always the best answer for everybody it works for some people it, it doesn't work for other people and I started to kind of have guilty feelings about the fact that like I was sort of masking this problem like because being on medication also masks other emotions too so I kind of wanted to start feeling those other emotions again so it's definitely been a journey for me because it's not 
you know, now like someone's made, waved a magic wand and now I've got this other focus that my problems are all fixed. I still have these like really low days um, and, I, and I have really high days as well. So I'd probably say, you know, it's it's been a, a combination of a few things that have kind of helped me kind of along in, my, in this journey. But um, am I at the end of it? No. <laughs> you know, I think that like that's what I want to try and be authentic about in, in terms of talking about mental health, because, you know, it's not just a case of now I've like got this great business and, you know, everything's fixed. It's it's by no means that. But we're all on our own paths. So. So you mentioned um, the mental health is trending campaign. Can you tell us a bit more about your hashtag mental health is trending movement and how people can support with this? Yeah, so the whole idea around, I mean, when it first started, I actually got a little bit stick for the name, believe it or not, because I think like some people kind of misinterpreted it. You know, there's obviously different nationalities. People interpret things differently. But the whole idea is, is I'm not trying to have mental um, illness trend, but I want mental um, health awareness to trend because when something trends, it's not making it trendy. It's two different words. Trending and trendy mean two different things. Trending is basically saying that you want people to get to start talking about it. Um, and so that was the whole like, idea around that account. Um, how people can get involved is that they can share their own stories on their pages, um, tag in the page, um, tag the hashtag or tag the actual picture with the page name, um, and we'll happily reshare it for them. So it's really that simple, like, and it's it's that easy. Or people can um, purchase a T-shirt, a proportion of the funds go towards the Mental Health Foundation. Um, but yeah, it's pretty pretty straightforward. <laughs> Yeah, I was quite amazed and inspired by some of the posts I saw on your Instagram, just how honest people are. There's some really memorable ones. Like, Yeah. Do you have do you have actually a, a favorite or one that really sticks in your mind? Yeah, it's funny, actually, like at the beginning, the very early days when I first set the page up, there was a girl, I can't for the life of me think of her name, but she's got bright, bright red hair. So if you ever want to scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll you'll see. And she actually, she'd done a, um, a video, a YouTube video with somebody in a, um, I think it was a podcast as well. And I just thought that she was like, just really, really strong. Like she, a uh, girl from Ireland and just hearing her story, like a lot of it kind of like um, linked in with kind of what I'd been feeling and what I'd been going through. Um, but she, I think she removed herself off social media or changed her handle or something because I can't go back and message her now. But you get, you definitely get people who, um, there's a guy called Ben West who lost his brother to suicide um, roughly around the same time as um, when I was kind of going through what I was going through. And we spoke a lot over the phone um, about him sort of kind of getting involved with what I was doing. And he's gone on to do amazing things. Like he's uh, does um, something called... Um, walk to talk I think it's called and um he's raised loads of money for charity and he's set up his own charity and stuff so it is great to see like other people doing so much for um awareness like at the side it's almost like become like competitive now like who can who can create or raise the most awareness for something that you know people weren't really talking about you know like a year well they were talking about but it really does feel like there's been like reverberations like in the last year especially in the UK um so it's great yeah, I think so much can just come from a conversation. Yeah. And just knowing that someone else has been through something similar to you. Yeah. Because it makes you feel like, okay, I'm not the only one that's feeling like this. That doesn't make me strange or weird or weak or a failure. There are other people that are going through this. Um, I think it's amazing. What does mental health mean to you? 
Mental health and mental illness are two very different things. Like mental illness is the the negative output of not looking after your mental health. So your mental health is like your physical health, but it's you know to do with your soul, you know your being or whatever. So anything that makes you feel good is what you should be continuing to do to look after your mental health. So that could be you know in everyone's there's no kind of like book it you know like people say oh you should go to the gym or you should do this to help you and yes all those different things like kind of can have a positive effect on your mental health but they could also have a negative effect on your mental health if say for example you've got an eating disorder so like um there's no kind of one you know rule fit fits all or whatever mental health is very personal to you it's who you are as a person and just looking after yourself you know <laughs> looking after your mental well-being and your thoughts and yeah. <laughs> yeah it's that sort of um I like that you use the word soul because I often for example like going horse riding I, I'll say to my my girlfriend I feel like it's feeding my soul like I afterwards I just feel great yeah um and yeah you need to do those things that you feel are really good for your soul as much as yeah. you as much as you can it sounds like a really cliche thing to say but obviously because i've worked in the in the fashion industry for so long like fashion was always like a really big thing for me like i always wanted to kind of like have the newest like trendiest dress or whatever and like i used to feel guilty about that because it's like this whole attaching things to you know it's like superficial isn't it it can be a superficial kind of thick way of looking at but now what I've realized is actually it was the process of kind of like going shopping for me you know because it was a it was part of my job but also kind of like that um getting up getting ready for you know a shopping trip I'd spend a full day with my friends you know like and I really realized like you know it was the whole kind of experience that made me feel good it was the going for lunch it was the spending time with my girlfriends and like now because like I'm, you know financially like things are slightly different for me now that I can't do that as often as I like so when I do do something like that you know where I even if I just buy like a piece of makeup or something the buzz like that even if I buy a takeaway <laughs> you know the buzz of that like parting with my cash you know like really gives me that that high um you know that you might get from horse riding <laughs> I get it from shopping. Yeah. <laughs> What's your advice or message for anyone currently suffering with anxiety? Again, like I think going back to your last question, you know, mental health is so personal to each person. But I'd say if there's one piece of advice that helped me um, that I think could help some other people is just talking to other people about it. Because I think like a lot of people's anxieties are things that they don't share with other people naturally. Um, and that's why they feel anxious because they they think that maybe people think something else about them or you know a certain situation or I don't know but I think once you open up to somebody and say I'm you know if you if you say to somebody like I feel anxious like the first thing they're going to want to do is try and make you feel better about that I don't know many people that would hear those words and go oh we'll just like suck it up or whatever like you know people people might say that but the likelihood is that they're going to say something to help you kind of through how you're feeling so probably just to open up um in terms of like breathing things and things that, like I've learned some great like techniques over the years like that you can do in terms of your breathing and holding your breath in and pausing and thinking of the breath that you're about to next take and stuff to distract you from the things that are stressing you out but again like those things might work for some people I know people that tap their foreheads and all different weird and wonderful things so um I'd probably say yeah opening up is probably the 
And what would you say um, for someone, because I think we all suffer with anxiety at some point in our lives, but what would you say to someone who is at the point where it really is crippling and they can't, they don't know what to do? When do you feel like it's the right time to maybe see a doctor or see someone professional? Like, obviously, it's so personal to the individual. But when would you say, okay, if this is really, you really feel like you can't just live a sort of normal day to day life, when would you say is the right time to seek that help? I think if you say it's not your mental health, say it's something completely different, right? You know, most girls, like if they get a pimple on their face or a rash or something like that, straight away they're like, I've got to go to the doctors and like get this checked out because it's affecting my physical appearance or you know if you've got a, a, a cut on your leg that's gone septic or something like that you know like it's it's feeling really painful and I think the thing with people's mental you know with mental illness people think I've got to keep coping with this you know like I don't you know like why would I go to the doctors about this or why would I go to see a therapist about it but I think if you're feeling in pain you know like in whatever respect it was like for me it was like I couldn't get out of bed because the minute I did felt like I was going to fall over because your brain controls everything you know it, it controls me kind of like touching my hair right now without me even thinking about it so you've got to kind of be like honest with yourself and say you know like how else it might be affecting the rest of your life as well and I think like there's nothing to be ashamed of um for going to a doctor I mean I've been to therapists over the years numerous different times in my life for for different you know different issues and I think the minute you kind of like talk to somebody about it you will start to feel better but it's 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 definitely like ripping a plaster off you know you've got to just make that decision that that's what you want to feel better and I think when you decide you want to feel better is the time to go and see somebody. When was that time for you? When did you go, right, okay, I can't continue like this. I need to, I need to speak to someone. I remember um, being sat in the bath. Um, I was WhatsApping my mum and I, I felt like I was hopeless, like completely hopeless at that point. I thought, you know, I'm never going to get a job. Like I just felt like I felt like the only way out would be, I mean, I was having suicidal thoughts at that point. You know, I really did feel like there was no point in me being here anymore. And that was a that was built up over a period of time of me. Um, you know, it was the physical symptoms that were making me feel so bad. It wasn't necessarily that I was depressed before. Yes, I had like I had struggles, but it was my body telling me you can't take on or do anymore right now because you're at your lowest. And I remember my mum messaging me and saying, she was like, you know, would you let us pay for you, pay for a flight for you to come home? And I struggled to accept things from people, but my mum was like, you know, we'll pay for a flight to come home. And something just in that message just made me think, no, this is the time, like I need to come home because I'd already spent um, thousands of dirhams out here trying to, you know, see a doctor and they weren't giving me the answers that I needed because I don't think they recognised it as for what it actually was. Um, and I'm so glad that she said what she said because I, I would have just carried on, you know, like feeling like crap. Um, but it was only that, like, you know, her reaching out and saying, like, we're gonna, I'm going to help you. I know it's your mum, but even I struggle to kind of accept, you know, help from my mum sometimes too. So, but I think, I think lying in the bath, I was just like, no, I can't carry on like this. Something needs to change. Um, so I accepted it and got on the flight and that same day like from being at the airport I went straight to the doctors and you know it was having somebody say to me you know it's okay like there's hundreds of people that come to me that say the same thing as you this is what you've got you've got chronic anxiety and panic attacks and 
we know how to fix it. And it was that simple. And it was such a, I mean, I cried when she told me what was. I was going to ask, did you immediately feel a relief? Like, oh, okay. Oh yeah. This makes sure. sense. I thought I had like a terminal illness. Like, I th- you know, I was going to the doctors and they were doing blood tests. They did brain scans, ECGs. Um, and, you know, no one was kind of giving me the answers to like, this could potentially be something as simple as, you know, something as simple as anxiety that would make me feel as bad as I was like physically, you know, not just like internally. So you didn't think what I'm going through is anxiety at the time? No, to me, anxiety was that like little palpitation that you felt sometimes when you were a bit nervous or you were a bit stressed. Anxiety, if you just said to me, anxiety could surface itself in the fact that your legs stop working or you know the fact that the room feels like it's spinning like you've got vertigo you know I honestly did not attribute it to I knew I was going through a stressful time and I knew that that you know that was something that wasn't making me feel great but I I never put it down to the physical symptoms that I was having at all because I think as naturally as Brits as well we kind of like go oh you know you know I've got a cold yeah stiff up a lip I've got a cold I'll try and power through and at the time I did I just got some um, freelance work and I was trying to get get taken on as permanent so I was really trying to power through to make sure that I got this job and just totally ignored everything my body was saying to me and I'd burnt out so you know it it sounds funny saying it because like you know if you said to somebody you know you were saying before like at what point would you say to somebody go and get help I was just ignoring the fact that I needed to. <laughs> yeah. um, and do you think for some people it almost becomes their norm? So they almost get used to just feeling low and feeling that that anxious, horrible that feeling. Normal. Like they almost yeah. get used to it. Yeah. I mean, I was even having things like, um, you know, like heartburn. Um, I had really bad heartburn all the time. I'd eat something and I'd be like, you know, I must be eating the wrong things or, you know, drinking loads of water to try and get rid of that feeling. And actually that was part of it as well. You know, like I had really bad skin at the time. I had like um, big patches of like rashes on my face. And again, I was just putting that down to like, it could be, you know, I don't know what it could be. Maybe my diet's not great or whatever. I've been busy, but that all of it was, you know, my body telling me you're, yeah, I think our bodies are incredible because it, your body almost tries to show you and tell you, you need to slow down, you need to get more rest, you need to, um, you know, you need to stop doing that thing that's causing you loads of stress, whether it's a rash or um, skin problems or bloating or your body does tell you, but so often we just don't listen because we go, oh, well, yeah, I must be eating the wrong thing or, um, you know, it, it is vertigo because people suffer with vertigo and your body really does try and, and tell you things. Um, but so often I think we're just so busy and we're just like in the day-to-day rat race of, of life that we just ignore these things. And that's what's scary because sometimes you can ignore things and then it gets to the point where, you know, they develop into something more serious. For sure, definitely. What's the biggest learning you found from going through your most low and challenging times? Probably realising that how strong I am and that I can get through anything, you know, like it's cliche, but you know, when, when you look back at like what you've been through at the time when you're going through it, you never think that you're going to get to the end of it, but you somehow you always do, don't you? So it's probably resilience really. And you know, I, looking back at myself like a year's time 
from years time now like I, I do feel like a different person in a lot of ways um so yeah probably resilience but maybe <laughs> well you you need a lot of resilience if you're going to uh open one business let alone three yeah no, <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> Can you share with us some information about your latest project, Safe Space? Yeah, so Safe Space started after mental health is trending really took off because I started to get a bit of a conscience about what I was actually sharing on social media and was it actually adding any value to people's lives. But obviously because my background's not in any kind of clinical profession, um, I really wanted to kind of bring people together who were in that sort of arena to sort of... Um, you know, I'd gone, I'd gone through months where I couldn't afford medical cover. That was what was part of what was preventing me from going to see a doctor. So I wanted to sort of come up with a solution that would help people who were struggling to pay to be able to see a doctor or, you know, psychiatrist or whatever. So I put out a bit of a call to action to get um, those types of people together. We had our first committee meeting. And then um, that sort of evolved into, you know, it was going to be more of a corporate social responsibility program. Um, so how it works is that businesses, big, large, large corporations get involved. Um, they pay like a set retainer for the month. Um, we do activations with them. So it might be like, you know, we, we go in and we do a couple of talks a month. Um, part of that budget would be allocated to if anybody in their team needs treatment um, to see somebody, then we would have a bank of people that they could go to see. So if they don't use that up like within the first month then that money would obviously get carried over till somebody does need that support and then that that budget would get put towards um you know a psychiatrist or a therapist or something for somebody within their team so it's really about kind of companies um taking on responsibility for their employees because as we all know like working out here in dubai you know um your job is basically everything to your existence out here you know your visa um your salary everything so it, it is a large um part of like where people's stresses kind of stem from i think here yeah and also we spend most of our time at work not just here that's that's anywhere but you yeah you're at work more often than not than you are at home so if you are going through something of course that's going to have a knock-on effect to, to your work as, as well because like growing up in the UK like HR departments are obviously a big thing whereas out here like um it se always seems like a bit of an afterthought um in terms of company structure and setup and then when you've got um, a HR person coming in they've got a lot to deal with when they they've coming in from you know day dot or whatever so um it might not be their specialty to sort of like focus on company culture or um how to kind of create an environment for people to enjoy working in that's also productive as well so it's it's not only focusing on productivity but it's you know the benefit of the companies is the re the return on investment because generally people who are happier in their workplace will perform better as well so they're not focusing on that thing that's really kind of bringing them down mm. um the business will achieve more success so I mean I've I've recently started to see a life coach Maria Tanzi who's going to be on my next episode who I know oh, you've brilliant. started to see yes, as well she's absolutely amazing. and I'd never been to see a life coach before or a therapist and um I knew I'd be good at it because I like talking so I was like <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this but I have seen her now for six weeks and if everyone could see a life coach oh my god oh my god yeah. it would make such a difference even if you're not particularly going through a, a difficult time you know I went with I went to her with a very clear um 
now I know it, it's a self-limiting belief, but I went to her with an issue or something that I had on my mind that I wanted to work on. And through the process, I've honestly thought, oh my goodness, if everyone could experience this, it would just change so many people's lives. I've always been a big advocate of um, therapy from the first time I experienced therapy. And I think like, it's a bit like a hairdresser, you know, like you, you can have a really amazing therapist that can change your life or you can have one that can give you, you know, a really bad haircut and like, you know, give you more problems to deal with. So it's definitely like a very personal thing um, when you start that relationship with the therapist. Um, but yeah, I, I did my first session today with um, Maria myself, hence why like I've got these dark circles <laughs> under my eyes because I spent half of it crying. But I did come out of there like feeling um, very different to the mindset that I, I was when I first went in there. And um, yeah, she is pretty amazing. So I think the difference, you know, I haven't been to see a therapist, but I think from, from what I've seen on movies and TV, that therapists listen more rather, whereas I felt like, with the life coaching session, it she is she's not giving you advice. She's pulling things out of you. You have everything inside of you, but it, I feel like it's much more of a conversation rather than you just sort of spilling your guts out and someone just listening, which sometimes you need. But um, I I liked how practical it was. It really. I felt like I'm not going to need this for months. This is actually... People get put off by the idea of therapy because they think, oh, you only need it if you're feeling bad, if you've got an issue about something. And actually anybody can go to therapy um, and it can help you even if you don't think you need help. You know, it's there's different types of therapy. So like cognitive will like look back at, you know, your like childhood history or whatever. There's, there's um, I don't know all the different names of them, but there's ones where it deals with in the present. So if you've got something that you're dealing with right now, like that, it can help you through that. Um, but I guess the idea of a life coach is to just bring out the best in you. So it's, you know, pe some people think, oh, life coach, you know, like, oh, why do I need a life coach? Like it's just somebody who's you know positivity um cheerleader or something like that but it's really not like it's it is pulling the best out of you like things that you might know about yourself but don't appreciate or you know so I only had my first session today but I already feel like you know I think we're gonna have a good um next couple of sessions and we're really gonna kind of do some um good work over the next couple of weeks yeah you will and I just I wish everyone could see someone and I guess that's what safe space is about um it's like obviously having that on best a, friend yeah that has no opinion on your life at all that's the key because yeah. so often you know we'll have our girlfriends and I mean honest I couldn't live without my girlfriends um, and my mum is also someone I talk to her about everything um but so often it's very difficult and, and I'm guilty of this to be impartial because you feel emotional you don't want to see your friend hurt you don't want to you don't want them to be in that situation um so going to someone who is completely impartial non-biased it's like a breath of fresh air. You've hit the nail on the head. It's like, you know, when you've been asking me those questions about like, what, what advice would you give to somebody who's struggling with this, who's, you know, who hasn't recognized their mental health or whatever. I actually don't like kind of giving my opinions on those types of things purely for the fact that like, not one shoe fits all, you know, everybody's totally different. And what might have not helped me might be the absolute opposite for somebody else. So again, like seeing a, a clinical person like who understands like how the brain works, how we think, you know, can help you help you sort of unravel that piece of string back to something that you never would have attributed why you do something the way you do it now um it's just a it's a really interesting way of understanding yourself yeah it's fascinating and there's things that I've realized 
that I do that I'm now going to make a conscious effort not (laughs) to do I already do after one session (laughs) like I literally thought that I was this person who loves to give advice I'm really good at giving advice um and what I realize is while that might be true in in some areas I tend to instead of listen just start telling the person what I would do if I was them or what I've done in the past and that's not that's not helpful (laughs) that's not what the person (laughs) needs um and I've realized that yeah I need to just I mean I do think I'm a good listener but I need to when someone is talking to you about something that unless they say to you, Peter, what can you tell me your opinion on this? Or Peter, can you it. tell me what you would do? Don't give it because they're not asking for it. <laughs> Just listen and yeah. ask them a question. How do you feel about that? Well, what would you do if this was, you know, and that was one of the biggest things I took away. I was like, oh my God, I've got to stop just dishing out advice to everyone because no one's asked for it. (laughs) I think that's why I struggle with social media now. Like, because like, I feel like this whole idea of being an influencer or like, you know, people seeing what you're doing and thinking that they should live their life is the way you are is really toxic like you know obviously it's it's a commonly known thing that like people compare themselves through social media but so dangerous I think like you know I went through a phase of really being active on my personal account and trying to grow my personal account to now being feeling the absolute opposite you know I had brands approaching me with products and stuff and I'm kind of like would I want somebody to sort of um I don't know like spoon feed me or make me think something about it in a certain way that I don't necessarily naturally feel that way about already. I don't know. So it's it's really made me kind of backtrack now and be like, I don't actually want to put a lot out on social media. Um, well, some of my favourite people... Or give my opinions on things. Yeah, some of my favourite people at the moment on um, Instagram, Stacey Solomon oh, yeah. is one of them. Yeah, she's amazing. Because yeah. um, I'm such a big Loose Woman fan. <laughs> and... Um, I mean, I knew who she was before, but like she's she's you know one of the, the the presenters on there. Her Instagram is so real, yeah, so authentic. Again, I, I like, love it. It's real and authentic, but it's also that must um, put a strain on her having to be so open all the time because there's things that you want to share about your life and sometimes that you don't. And I think like I even went through that journey as well of being like you know today I can't afford to put petrol in my car, you know, like to get to my next meeting, like, because things are really tough and people did appreciate it. But then it also, it it then starts you thinking on another path about yourself, you know, and like what you're telling people and, you know, that you don't need to share everything basically. I don't think you do, but I think that particular point you've just hit on, I think people should talk about more because everyone things oh the Dubai life you know the pavements are paved with gold (laughs) and um you know we've all been in that situation where you're literally like looking for dirhams behind down down the side of the sofa going (laughs) right I how am I gonna get to work how am I gonna get my lunch today and no one really talks about that so when you're in that situation you just think oh my god it's the the worst what am I doing wrong why am I not living this Dubai life yeah like what yeah what did I do wrong (laughs) I like I think it was Christmas time like I was walking through the mall and I there was somebody walked past me and there were three Louis Vuitton um paper you know shopping Mm. bags or whatever and it was it was just around the time that I was starting to have these like head you know shaky feelings and I was like you know, that in itself was so triggering for me because I could see this person and I knew, like, you know, I, I didn't have m- money to get home, you know, like, if it hadn't been for my boyfriend, um, 
So you, you do, it's like this comparison game that I think we all play and I th definitely think social media has a lot to answer for in terms of the lives that we're living now and are we living them how we want to live them or are we living them how we think other people should think that we should live them? Yeah, and, and it's funny because whenever I see people with loads of shopping bags, like designer bags, and I just see rent. I'm like, yeah. that bag... <laughs> Yeah. is literally three months rent yeah. or, what, or whatever it might be I, I or, and I don't think I'll ever I don't think I'll ever lose that I just yeah. always think like wow I wasn't even thinking on that level it was like how many bananas can I buy you know like with that like s as small as that you yeah know, like that one coffee that that person's drinking like how many meals could I get out of um out of that one coffee you yeah know, that 35 dirham coffee I've been speaking to my my really close girlfriend Ruby about this recently because Money definitely doesn't buy happiness, but what it does buy is freedom. And it's one of those really strange things. And I, and this is one of the things I spoke to Maria about as well as my relationship with money, because we all have a relationship with money. Oh, yeah. Money is funny. Yeah. <laughs> I always say that. And money is one of those things when you don't have it, it literally is like, it's all you can think about is all consuming. And then suddenly when you get it, then you don't think about it again. It's like, poof, done. It's like magic. Yeah. It is like a superpower. It's like, oh, I don't have to think about that anymore. And, but that in itself really makes me angry because it's just like, oh. Yeah. Like, it's so frustrating that we, that these bits of paper that we just are, are so after. important and chase after. And imagine if you took that away, that pressure what away. decisions would you make? How would you live your life differently? And it's, but, but it's then also like a fundamental thing that you need. So it's, yeah. I it's, actually, when I was poorly, my friend sent me a podcast. And it's a really interesting topic you just brought up. And it was about how in different cultures, like different cultures treat money <gasps> in a different way. There so is like, such, I've learned that with Rami. Yeah. They I've did, learned there's they such a, study, a big difference. And they went to different countries and they, um, asked people like you know like what would make you happier like to all these different people and they went to a country in uh, so in America it was like you know like we'll, we'll um, give you therapy or whatever in another country it was like we'll give you a year off paying like working and you still get your salary like and you'll you'll feel happier and then they went to some tiny little like um, middle of nowhere I think like Asia or somewhere like that and they asked a guy like what make, would make you happier and they ended up buying him a cow because all he wanted, was, needed was companionship to feel, you know, good. And I, my friend, only two days ago, she's a teacher and something in the UK um, they do with schools is they get the teachers to go out to the schools before these kids start school so that the, both the parents and the kids can feel better about the, um, the first day at school. So she's tried to like bring this initiative now to Qatar where she's working. And she went to the uh, three homes and it was like the three bears. She went to the first house and it was an Emirati, uh, not an Emirati, a Qatari. And um, the Qatari had this ridiculous palatial kind of house that she'd gone to. And the woman was lovely. She was really nice and they had the conversations. Then she went to the next house and it was um, a Filipino family. And it was quite clear that there was eight people in this house all living out of a one bedroom. And she said the stark contrast between the two was the Filipinos were happy. They were like so in such a loving family environment. They all pitched in for each other. They were all kind of like, you know, um, you know who could give up their chair quick enough for the teacher that came into the house or whatever whereas um the other family that she'd gone to you know it was a, it, you could tell that even though she had she was surrounded by all this beautiful stuff wasn't as joyful as the as the other family was and it it was interesting hearing her talk about that because I was then thinking 
am I chasing after the wrong things? You know, like what is being around my family back at home? You know, I'm in this fabulous country. It's sunny outside. You know, like there's people walking past me with Louis Vuitton handbags, there's Ferraris and all of that. But is is that making me happy versus the quality time that, you know, I get with my family maybe like one, two weeks out of the year? So it has, it's made me kind of, it's cliche, but you're right, like money can't buy happiness. And I think as, as, the generations go on like all of our focus needs to almost be stripped back to like a a month you know where we came from in terms of our origins and stuff as humans yeah and i think i hate when people just blame social media yeah like, it's all social media like, we all know it's a problem <laughs> but and there's so much positivity on on social yeah. media but there is a thing where there's a few people i follow sort of like reality stars and it and i catch myself sometimes because i'm like oh I'd quite like that bag or I'd quite like there's sort of these tick things that I think all these they you know they've got the Range Rover they've yeah. got the nice watch <laughs> they've got the Cartier bangle the handbag um a nice, nice ring the hair they've had their lips done they've got the tick like there's all these sort of tick it's things like a staple that the more that the more successful they get them they, they tick these things off and you do find yourself going oh well I need that and I need that and it's just rubbish yeah you know, I'm all for if you want to get something done for your confidence and to make yourself feel better, great. Obviously, you've got to work on what the, the actual root of that, that insecurity is. But yeah, you do find yourself just going, I think it's that like, I don't I don't need all these things. No, we've we've definitely been, I remember like when I was a kid versus like looking at my nieces and nephews now as to what they kind of chase after versus what I chased after, you know, as a kid. And I'm sure our parents were totally different as well. But there is this culture now of like, what's next? What's next? What's next? There's no appreciation for the now or like what we have. Um, and I think that is again, like why maybe mental illness is so prevalent at the moment because nothing satisfies this insatiable kind of like, well, we've all got this hole that we're trying to yeah, fill. Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, with like, you know, I've, I've had nice handbags bought for me before. Do I treat those handbags any differently to the, you know, the ones that I got from sort of a high street shop, probably not. Like, because after I've had them for a little while, they just become yeah, the novelty another wears thing off. and the novelty yeah. wears off. So I think going through this like period of financial, you know, like, um, I don't want to say uncertainty, but you know, where I don't have as much wealth as what I have done in the past has really made me realise what is important and, you know, what I need to spend my money on and what I actually don't and what brings me joy still, even though it might be small. Oh, my God, for um, me, just buying a new top on Namshi for 60 dirhams, I'm yeah, like, in the it could be Gucci. <laughs> I literally am so happy. I'm so chuffed because it's like, I remember when I could not, I couldn't even fathom doing that. Yeah. You know, I went years without buying anything for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, you run out of foundation. You're like, oh, my God. Trying to stretch, I'll put a bit of water yeah, in the bottle and give it a exactly. shake. Exactly, like so you literally like scraped it out, and so now I really do appreciate. I still appreciate those things. It's like, oh, I can buy myself a new lipstick or a new top. I I think like what I'm going through at the moment is I've realised that the only thing that can really make you truly happy is if you're doing what you feel like your purpose is, your calling and Oprah always bangs on about this and I love it it's like you your sole job on earth is to figure out why you're here and then get about the business of doing that yeah and I really like that resonates with me so much because now I'm starting to do that so happy yeah and I'm not earning money from it I'm not but it's literally like yes I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing and um, yeah, it's a process. I haven't figured I it all it, out, but oh, I think that is what people need to focus on. 
a teacher asked me actually like if you were to talk to students like what would you say that they could do like to you know make themselves feel better and I answered it exactly the same it's like finding that purpose and I think it's the purpose doesn't have to be you know of any financial reward or anything like that it's not your job or anything like that but it's it could be helping somebody else or you know that's where you find your joy because when you do something for yourself you know like that makes you feel good that doesn't cost anything they're the best highs that you can get yeah I listened to a podcast um it's called the life coach school and the lady is called what's her name it'll come to me anyway and she was saying that so you have your job and your job is how you earn money and how you survive and how you eat keep a roof over your head and then some people have a career so it's something that they've done for many years they're very skilled in it then you have your hobby which is something that you just do for fun and you enjoy and then you have your vocation and your vocation is something that you would do regardless if no no one paid you not even that it's just you would do your vocation at you do it for the pure joy and love of it no one has to pay you for it and the I guess the dream is to turn your vocation into your career but you have to make sure while you're doing your job you're still doing your vocation and your hobbies because your hobbies are like good for your soul and so many times people have a business idea but they're like oh yeah but I can't leave my job get it started on the side just start there's never a good time just do yeah. it and then eventually you can time's gonna pass transition anyway. time's gonna pass anyway yeah. and sometimes you've just got to do what you need to do whilst you're working on the and and so many times people I think think that they've got to have all their ducks in a row and and I just think just go for it just if you've got to keep your job keep your job just do it on the side um or whatever it might be and yeah I think that was really interesting I never heard that breakdown of it before Okay, so Helen, we're going to do a quick fire round now. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Favourite quote? Um, probably do it anyway because uh, the time will pass anyway. Just do it because the time will pass anyway. I love that one. Best piece of life advice you've ever been given? I think um, people come into your life for different reasons, but you don't have to hold on to them right the way through your life so that, you know, there'll be people that you kind of carry through that are long-term friends and there'll be people that come in for a purpose and that doesn't mean you need to kind of carry them right the way through. I've got a a girlfriend that says um, a reason, a season or forever. Is that the last one? A reason, a season. Yeah, or it must be forever. Um, But yeah, I like that. Yeah. Favourite tool or app for helping organise your life? Um, it's not good for your mental health, but probably say my phone. Um, everything gets stored in there. <laughs> and on probably some weird h- hard drive or kind of... The cloud. The cloud. Whatever yeah. the cloud is. <laughs> yeah. Biggest pet peeve when it comes to business? I think I, I feel like I'm quite like an upfront person. Um, and I think like not everybody is as honest um sometimes and that that can cause more obstacles like down the line like by not sometimes people don't want to hurt your feelings by by being honest when actually like that would have saved you a whole load of time like an energy so yeah probably say like honesty like when people aren't honest (laughs) honesty is the best policy exactly most important life lesson so far appreciating your parents when you're younger because i think like now my parents are getting older and I don't get to see them as much anymore because I live here like 
you know, it does at the back of my mind think like, when, you know, when's the last time we're all going to get that big family holiday together or, you know, whatever. And you look back and you've got such fond, fond memories, but there'll be times when you like maybe had a row about something stupid um, that kind of ruined that, made for a good story as you get older. But yeah, I wish I'd appreciated the time I had at home probably a bit more when I was younger. Yeah, and go home as well. Go home more. Yeah, I had a moment at Christmas. We were all together and um, it was my grandparents' 60th wedding anniversary and we spent this lovely weekend together and all the family were there and then we had to leave. Yeah. And like everyone just was crying. (laughs) My family aren't uh, like a family of criers. Yeah, yeah. And And I just felt like, oh my God, like this is awful. It was the first time I really felt like... I just wish we had more time. Like it's not enough time. And for for us, six months goes like that. But for my grandparents, it's a long time. They have to wait, you know, to to see us. And um, oh my God, yeah, it can make me cry. It's just, it's one of the hardest things about living away. I know, I think like one of the, the most positive things about me going home for such a long time when I was poorly was that I got to sort of spend so much time with my nieces and nephews um otherwise I wouldn't have got that like that opportunity to do so so um yeah I'd say family if you could give your 18 year old self one piece of advice what would it be uh probably stop trying to be like everybody else um I wish I'd realized that a long time ago <laughs> I think as I get older I realize that just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean that's going to make you happy um you know going back to the whole sort of like social media thing again you know like you can see I think it was it you that said to me earlier you know you see all these holidays and places that people go and the next thing is you think that you're supposed to be going to Bali or Sri Lanka because everybody else is and I I think like I lived my life very much like that when I was younger um now I try and do things that I want to do instead of copying what everybody else is doing and also I guess learning to be really happy with who you are and knowing what you have to offer and yeah I'm happy being me I wouldn't swap it for anyone else yeah yeah um which is something I think we all struggle with because everyone just looks like it's it's easier for them and and they're better off again don't want to blame social media but they have (laughs) it has a big role to play (laughs) okay Helen are you ready for your final question yes (laughs) what do you know for sure I think if you put one foot in front of the other, you'll definitely move forward. <laughs> so I think it's just about knowing that like, you've just got to keep going. Um, and if you keep putting that, just even if they're baby steps and you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you'll, you'll progress and you'll move forward. So I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Helen, thank you so much for joining me today and being so honest and open. Um, at the end of the, the show, I will mention all your Instagram handles and hashtags and where people can find um, all your businesses from Heart Knocks to Mental Health is Trending. And thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank <laughs> Thanks, Peter. If you'd like to check out the amazing work Helen does and continue to follow her story, check out her personal Instagram account at the Comeback Kid XX. And you can also find her mental health initiative at Mental Health is Trending on there too. For Helen's rebel fashion brand with a cause, just follow at Heartknox. That's Knox spelt K-N-O-X-X, two X's. And finally, check out her brand new initiative, Safe Space, by following at Safe Space DXB. And just before I leave you today, if you'd like to find out who my guests will be on the next episode of Life School, 
follow us on Instagram at LifeSchoolME, where you can keep up to date with all our news and find information on all our amazing guests. Thank you for listening to Life School, conversations to inspire action. <laughs>